I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, and uh, welcome uh, to Really. We're still, that's still what it is, right? Really with with Tom and Dave. Hell yes! Nothing's really with the, the cool punctuation at the end that yes. uh, we we're still figuring out. But yeah. I think you've got a theory behind. Well, it's the transition from uh, I, cur- curiosity to shock to acceptance. That's what it symbolizes it. to me. That's, See, because uh, because I believe that's what you go. Everyone goes through those are the tr- those are the the three stages of uh, of UFO acceptance. That's what I'm going through. Yeah. I'm not and, sure where I'm at at this point. I still no, I think, think I'm you're, in shock. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're at the cusp of shock and uh, acceptance. Yes, yes, I think that's fair to, yeah. to say. Acquiescence uh, might be more. That might be the term. Yeah, some form of some yeah. form of acceptance. You're you're helping. You're you're, <laughs> you're the you're the lubricant, Dave. That's helping me get through this. Uh, yeah. This, uh, this incredible uh, transition, this metamorphosis that and, I'm yeah. uh, undergoing. And not a minute too soon, because I think I have a feeling we're I'm feeling we're at the start of a we- really truly weird year. Yeah, um, we're gonna have a weird one. I think so. And and um, does it and, start with our matching sweaters? I think so. This is yeah. We don't normally uh, coordinate. I think this is a sign of something yeah. fucked up going on. That the yeah, our periods are uh, are probably seeping <laughs> well, up as I well. Will, right. Well, they've they've been in, yeah. they've been coordinated for a while now, but yeah. now it's now we've gone on to uh, to beige sweaters. Attire, I thought this yeah. was going to make a statement, but now I feel a little common. <laughs> uh, and, well, yeah. Well, and and today we're, we're and we're bran- we're branching out a little this week on the show into yes. our, into our, our sort of let's it's not I guess we could call it a sister phenomena. Sure. As well. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you explain. Well, we're bridging into. I mean, it's it's a good day for it too because the weather here in uh, Studio City is extraordinarily uh, bleak and London-like. As uh, and I, I, rescue choppers are going overhead and pulling people out of the LA River a few blocks away. It's um, the streets are flooding. There's chaos. It's a kind of a typical LA weather response to any form of weather, yeah. which is high drama. Yeah, um, big headlines and and 
I think the uh, to the, be fair, the, some mudslides, you know, the hysterical uh, storm watch coverage from all the networks uh, seems in seems for for at least this this time to be uh, not hysterical in keeping is, with the situation. Is, I'm going to be there is some there's some validity to the concern because it yeah. has been uh, it's I think Topanga Canyon got about 11 inches of rain in like a few hours, which feels tropical feels mm-hmm. that feels like monsoon levels and. No houses are very um, sure of themselves on those hillsides. So um, there are probably some very anxious folks, and we hope everyone's house is safe and uh, is enduring the rain uh, as best they can. For my part, I've been inside, and I was thinking all day, like, this is a good good day for a paranormal-type interview. I have been Mm kind of, you know, leaning in on the paranormal. I I don't know where quite you sit uh, in, in the realm of the paranormal. Well, you have more experience with that than I. I I, I have had brushes with it, but you've had fairly extreme brushes with it. Yeah, and yeah. and we have we have brought on uh, an expert um, to speak with us today. Let me give you a little a little information about uh, Mr. Aaron Sagers. Um, Aaron is a TV host, producer, journalist, and author who can currently be seen as host of the hit show, 28 Days Haunted, Netflix's first paranormal investigative series, as well as the long-running paranormal caught on camera on Travel Channel Max Discovery Plus, which I think was just given a a seventh season, so that's incredibly cool. He also hosts the Paranormal Pop Culture Podcast and YouTube show Talking Strange with the Den of Geek Network. Aaron Sager's previously executive produced and starred in Paranormal Paparazzi on travel based on his Paranormal Pop Culture website, hosted the two-hour special Paranormal Lockdown, Evidence Revealed, appeared on Portals to Hell, The Shocking Truth, Paranormal Challenge, and was a host and producer for Sci-Fi. He's the author of the Paranormal Pop Culture Collection, contributing author to Doctor Who Psychology and Joker Psychology, and contributing author to Academic References Guides, ABC Clio, and H.W. Wilson. He's presented alongside astronauts and astrophysicists for National Geographic and is a former journalism professor at New York University. When he's not traveling the globe, exploring spooky locales and appearing at Comic Cons, he splits his time between New York City and his native Orlando and is known for his tiki concoctions, which uh, with uh, Chrissy's bar behind you, Dave, that we can talk about that. And he named his dog Indiana. So uh, let's welcome Aaron to Really, and we're really grateful for him to, to be here. How's it going, Aaron? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me here. What a what a lovely intro. Just a just such nice accolades that you listed there. I mean, I couldn't have uh, said it better if I had written that myself. Well, you've been busy. You've been busy acquiring them, and uh, or or, or justifying them. Yeah, (laughs) I'm very jealous. I mean, I'm just jealous of of all of all your jobs in general. I mean, and this isn't getting into the investigating the Knights Templar and. And ice caves, and uh, you know, the, the investigating Dracula, and so I, wh- how, how did this all happen? Did you just one day you're like, I'm going to do all sorts of cool shit around the world? I mean, did you sort of stumble into this? Were you driven by a kind of paranormal experience in your youth? Tell us your origin story. Well, I think it's sort of the the first part of it is I'm just. I, I am a nerd. I mean, these days I say spooky nerd, but I'm a nerd and I, I grew up a nerd. And I think it's like you guys. And I think probably like a lot of your guests that, you know, that fascination kind of sets in pretty early. Now, paranormal aside, like I was, you know, reading 
fantasy and horror and science fiction and you know watching all the movies picking up comic books i see multiple action figures and graphic novels in your background there tom and and the so i was just like i loved all of this stuff so whereas some people were taking those career paths very responsible career paths of like i'm gonna go to school and become an accountant or an attorney or whatever for me i was like well I didn't travel much as a kid because I'm youngest of five kids and we didn't have a lot of money. So instead, I'm going to just be entirely irresponsible. I will go to college, but instead, I'm going to just keep being a nerd. And somehow that ended up becoming part of a job. Uh, yeah. So that alone was was part of it. And I just wanted to explore and soak up as much as I could. But the eventually I was like, well, OK, I love writing and journalism was always something I was into, as well as all the nerdy stuff. And so I, I started working in newspapers and magazines and whatnot. And that long fascination I had had with weird stuff ended up becoming part of a job when I saw this becoming a genre on TV. And I was like, well, you know, let's peel back the layers a little bit and tell some of the stories and get to the folklore and get to the kind of as a as a journalist I, I was always good about researching and interviewing so it was like let's kind of focus on that and add more depth to it but um and then i guess the spooky part of it as far as when i first got into it i, I grew up in the 80s which was a great time of you know i i could watch reruns of in search of with leonard nimoy uh, there would be Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack that came along. And then I was just both gripped and a little bit terrified by these commercials for the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown yeah. books that were like uh, in, in a deep, almost Rod Serling-esque intonation. A man is about to board a plane in Chicago mm -hmm. when he's gripped by this commercial. Right. Yeah, and those are fucking great. Like, he leaves the plane in two hours later. It goes down in flames. How do you explain this? You know, those kind of things just like burn themselves in my brain. So, the, you know, it was almost just like by stories that really hooked me reading all this stuff and just, you know, kind of soaking it all up as my my early, early kind of, uh, you know, nugget to this. So I noticed that like you're kind of a paranormal journalist, not exactly a paranormal investigator. I don't know if that's a distinction without a difference to you or if that is something that is true or accurate i mean how would you kind of define it yeah i mean i do i have done plenty of the investigation type of thing and i i get invited to lots of cool locations to explore not just like spooky stuff but uh you know night watches sky watches and other you know bigfoot hunts things like that but the journalist part i think first off i i kind of say that because i spent way too much money in both undergrad and and grad school Fair. and i'm like well i have to put that to to use somehow um Absolutely. just to make the folks proud but it's also it's the research component and the interview component so i mean the something i say to people is to a degree i don't try to convince people to believe or not believe in things um i'm more i'm fascinated by the stories i'm fascinated by the folklore and the the fact that these things are kind of told and repeated across cultures, cultures that never had a connection to one another, never had any interactions, and they're telling similar stories. That fascinates me. So it's that's the kind of the research and interviewing component to it. So if you look at why we're telling these stories, why they matter, to a degree, the belief part is sort of the next thing that 
you don't necessarily have to get there to still appreciate the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, story. I always, agree. I mean, I've always felt like, yeah, the, the just the fact that that hauntings and ghosts and you know apparitions have been a part of every culture throughout throughout recorded history, it seems, and certainly part of all of our all the art. And you know, they said there's like how many ghosts in Shakespeare. That it just sort of seems like uh, for something to be that prevalent in human uh, culture, if there's probably something solid behind it all, you know, or, or you know, it wouldn't per- wouldn't persist so long. Yeah, I and and how sort of the perception of things like ghosts when you talk about Shakespeare, the the way ghosts were portrayed for uh, the early part of what I call paranormal pop culture is that they were more solid shapes. They were you would go to Wandleberry Castle in England and you would see ghostly armies doing battle with one another or in, or in Hamlet Shakespeare's daddy shows up in sort of very solid form and armor and whatnot. He's not this ethereal thing that kind of comes in a little bit later within the fiction component of it. But yeah, I mean, even though maybe things evolve a little bit, we are telling these stories and they stick with us even in this, era of incredible technology and medical advancements and all of that. But in a way, we also are kind of the Victorians really kind of set the path of where we still are. I mean, when you watch a lot of the ghosty shows that I've been on other shows and whatnot, as much as you want to bust out a gadget, that's a blinky, blinky, lighty, lighty, flashy, flashy, beepy, beepy thing. It's still like, Okay, we're just trying to put a spin on an old Victorian seance. Yeah, they, well, that's the the huge the spiritualist movement of the Victorian yeah. era, with you know that obviously that Arthur Conan Doyle was such a big part of, um, both as someone investigating it, and I guess who, and then someone who became disenchanted with it as well. Well, uh, he was he was such a he was like one of my favorite characters, and he and Harry Houdini's like frenemy kind of relationship. I just mm-hmm. I I love and um. You know, I as I mentioned before the the show began, I, I'm based in Brooklyn, so I'm a just a stone's throw away from Houdini's grave in the Macapella Cemetery in Queens, and this testament to this guy that was even Houdini wanted to believe, mm. you know, sort of like the X Files. It's you know he wanted to believe, and then he was also snookered by. Um, uh, fraudsters and and fake mediums and whatnot, which then kind of set him on this path to debunking all of this stuff. And then his friendship with Conan Doyle kind of came to loggerheads because of that. Mm-hmm. The irony yeah. of Conan Doyle is because um, I wrote, I have a book called The Arcanum, which was Houdini and Conan Doyle and doing, you know, doing their sort of sort of X-Files thing because yeah, they were, they were the original like sort of Mulder and Scully in a way, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and with even Conan- more sexual tension. With, oh, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah, with and you really wanted to see those two get together, mm-hmm. Conan Doyle and Houdini. Um, the, but yeah, the irony that this is the guy who created the most um, skeptical, uh, logical character in history, and 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 it's some it was a marvel, and probably a consequence of his loss of his son. You know, like he had just death in his family and real sorrow. So I think that probably pushed pushed some of his skepticism aside. And but yeah, that falling out between those two is one of the coolest most interesting kind of um, spiritualist events, I guess, ever um, was, was, was Houdini kind of like, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling it. And, and Conan Doyle's wife was doing the automatic writing for him and trying to convince that his, that his, his, um, I think it, 
Yeah, his mother had come through right and didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. They would go on vacations with one and like that. That was in Atlantic City. Uh, Conan Doyle and his wife were visiting, and then Houdini. So previously, Houdini had visited uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, and and this is the funny thing is Arthur Conan Doyle. I think we technically should be saying just Doyle is his last name, but it's, I can't say, I just have to say Conan Doyle. Of course. It's like yeah. a hyphen it in a way. Anything but, with Conan in the title. I'm yeah, yeah, right. How can yeah. you not? Nah. But so Houdini had previously visited uh, the Conan Doyle family in England, and now they came out to AC and then Houdini visited them. And that's when that sort of um, supposed seance took place. So, I mean, you know, because of the book, but um, I, I love that these guys, the, the, the kind of the best part for me is that, uh, Arthur had kind of the last word, right? Because Houdini dies, and 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 Houdini's uh, widow Bess is like, well, I still believe that they had a fondness for one another, even though there was this tension, this kind of war war of the words uh, in newspapers and whatnot. But I still believe that she had a fondness for him. And Conan Doyle comes out and says, he has like the throws this bit of shade. He's like, well, actually. Uh, Houdini showed me a spirit photo that he said he thought was real, but I thought it was kind of crap. And then he was like, he said these other things. And then he ultimately said, I think Houdini himself had these psychic powers that were so strong that during these debunking section sessions with uh, mediums, that he was uh, uh, like blocking the power of these other mediums during these seances, which is kind of like just this beautiful, like button in the, in this frenemy, situation yeah, yeah after the dude is dead i know yeah, yeah that wasn't yeah. cool Where well I, yeah i guess I, I guess arthur conan doyle you know he could have he was leaving open the opportunity for who do you need to come back and refute him i guess though so, right yeah so and one of those from, halloween seances yeah yeah now it's it's interesting because i know like uh seances are one of those things that i kind of thought to myself i you know i was convinced they were all you know that it was all bullshit and it was all all charlatans and that. And then I, then I, I read my, uh, my friend Leslie Kane's book about surviving death. And she's a pretty smart, rational, uh, you know, not fool, foolhardy person. And, and she's got me kind of convinced that, Oh, there are some, there are seances that are real and that there are real phenomena that occur. And that, that um, uh, ectoplasm is a real thing. Like all these things that I was, Again, it's the same thing we talk about with the, the whole UFO issue, where every time I think there's something, I can I can safely go, oh, I don't need to take that seriously. I don't need to consider that. Um, uh, then someone comes along and convinces me that I do have to take give it serious consideration. Um, like, did you have any kind of a like? Did you have a a a, a belief in uh, like hauntings or or persistence after death? before you started working in this field or was it just curiosity? Yeah. So, so weird stuff did happen in my childhood home and some of it is stuff that 40 years later, I'm still kind of unpacking and it's things that I'm like amongst my family, as I mentioned, I'm the youngest of five kids. So everybody kind of processed it in different ways. So I'm actually putting on the journalist hat right now as an adult trying to get to the root of some of the weird stuff that happened in my family that we just didn't talk about. So I think maybe unconsciously that had to have influenced the, like I, I went to Catholic school and I recall this moment where weird stuff was taking place. And I went to the library and I go have a conversation with the lovely librarian, Mrs. Pomeroy. I'm in um, 
uh, second grade, grade two, and all of probably like six years old or whatever, maybe seven. And I asked her about a book on witchcraft. And Mrs. Pomeroy, lovely librarian that she was, is like, well, here's, you know, the Sabrina and the teenage witch or the my the littlest witch. And, you know, my and I'm like, no, 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 the real shit. The, like, I need like, <laughs> I, like medieval sacrificial uh, shit. Yeah. 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 I don't know if like six, seven year old Aaron was like expecting her to pull back this false wall, this bookshelf or bookcase. And then there would be like the necronomicon behind there or what the leather bound like oh well since you asked instead it <laughs> yeah. led to a led to an interesting phone call home i think about oh, no. the uh, little little innocent aaron asking about grimoires but um and then so there was that i think that that unconsciously influenced me and i, I remained interested in it but there was sort of this nexus point when i was working for I forget which newspaper it was. I was working for a Tribune owned Chicago Tribune owned newspaper at one point in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I went to is Eastern State Penitentiary. And oh, yeah, yeah. it's a, a pretty well known, supposedly haunted location, but also incredible history. And had a weird experience there that kind of even though I was already fascinated by it, even though I already thought that there was stuff out there, this kind of launched me into the mode of like I I want to pursue this more seriously and I want to, what I happened? want to put sort what of happened there, Aaron. Um, so have either of you been there? Um, I'm a, I'm a Philly, I'm a Philly guy. So I know of it. And also okay. I am a devout watcher of the original ghost hunters for many years. Okay, yeah. people in the dark bumping into things. And, and so I've seen that yeah. location, but I'm very curious about what your, what your mm -hmm. experience there was. Well, and, and Dave, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it was designed to look like a medieval castle, even though mm -hmm. it was built in the late 1800s, but it was designed to look foreboding the place that you did not want to go to. And it was created with grand lofty ideals of penitence and repentance, hence the mm -hmm. name penitentiary. And instead, of course, what happens is punishment, overcrowding, torture, um, uh, lots of death. So when I was there, I wasn't really pursuing the paranormal as such. I was there as a reporter, but I'm walking down these very cavernous cell blocks and out of the corner of my eye, I see what appears to be a form and uh, about 10 feet away from me in the depths of this cell, there's, um, there's a barrier about, um, hip height, I guess, waist height. So you can't enter the cell, but I see this form, this shadowy form, what we call referred to as a shadow figure mm -hmm. and pacing back and forth. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. That's strange. And I'm kind of trying to deduce what's going on. Like, okay, trick of light. Is it that? Is it that? What's going on here? Can't quite explain it. So then I do this thing that I think a lot of people have experienced when they're kind of pursuing this. It's like, all right, I'm going to talk to myself. I'm just talking to myself. It's nothing's going to happen. I'm like, all right, poke my head. I'm like, oh, something's there. Uh, come closer. Pacing back and forth, pacing back and forth, stops, rushes me. Oh, field of vision, entirely filled blackness. Really? I leap. Wow. I leap back, let out a few choice expletives and and I, I take a beat. And then I look, and again, this thing is now in the back of the cell again, pacing back and forth. So some time passes, and again, I'm, I'm trying to puzzle this out. I'm trying to figure out what this is. How much time and, is, is, is passing through, it, like, in terms of you're just being able to just watch this thing? 
Uh, this was, I mean, it was probably like a matter of like seconds. I don't know. Time, you know, just yeah, yeah. dilutes, right? It's hard to keep track mm-hmm. of everything. And that's something we hear from experiencers, you know, from across the scale, hauntings to abductions and whatnot. But the, but this kind of, this thing seems to be back in the back of that cell and is pacing back and forth. So I don't say anything. And then some, some, uh, you know, time passes and someone else comes along in this area that I did not tell this story to. And they look back there and they're like, looks like something's moving back there, like pacing back and forth. So like, that was an interesting confirmation. Well, it was maybe not confirmation, interesting corroboration. And then I had been there uh, since many, many times, either filming, doing events, various things. And people don't know that exact cell that I had this experience but I've conducted these little experiments where I'm, I will have people walk down a cell block, tell me how they feel, stop, take your time, don't rush. But if you get uncomfortable, stop, turn around, tell me where you feel the, uh, the vibes, you know. And it seems like people always kind of hit this same kind of area and always get a little creeped out and have to turn around and come back. Now, I'm also a pretty analytical person, so... You know, maybe there's something about liminal spaces. Maybe there's something explainable taking place there. But I've done this many times. I can't quite puzzle it out as to what was happening. And it was a significant experience. And Brooklyn is saying hello to you outside in the form mm-hmm. of. Sorry, a rescue chopper may come over my house any second now and yeah. pull me out of the flood. Um, but, that's That's wild. But even with that, I mean. I think. My approach to this stuff across the board as far as phenomena is I think I'm I, I'm willing to go into the deep end of the pool and say there's a lot of weird stuff out there and I'm willing to, you know, embrace people's stories and explore it. And I'm fascinated by this, but I also believe there's a lot of leaky plumbing and bad wiring in the world. There's a lot of uh air shows and night skydivers there's a lot of animals moving around the woods there's a lot of things that we can't explain so but i think if you and this is like i I think sort of from the journalistic perspective something that was um drilled into me from a young uh, young age as a as a professional is that as a as a journalist if you're interviewing someone you can't be cynical or you should not be cynical so totally disbelief, closed mindedness is not you're not doing your job as a journalist if that's the way you approach something. But if you automatically, without hesitation, believe everything to the point of being dogma, that's not healthy either. But if you maintain sort of this this middle spot of a or a sliding scale of skepticism, open minded, but trying to explain what you can, then I think that's where we get to the cool parts. That's where I think we push things forward a little bit more. Because you might be like, well, I personally have never um, seen a bipedal hominid moving around the Pacific Northwest, but enough people and enough indigenous people have reported this thing for, you know, uh, generations upon generations. Maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Yeah, Mm. I think that's one of the interesting aspects to all of the conversations we've been having is, um, and I even think George Knapp was talking about it with us, um, was that places like Skinwalker Ranch, you know, they're they're places that tend to kind of marry all of these phenomena together. And 
yeah, it became, you know, like, well, I kind of don't believe in Bigfoot. I'm open to UAP. I think I've had paranormal experiences, but I'm not sure about psychic. Like, like we have all these sort of, right, like these mm. silos of things that, you know, and I know, mm. I know Dave and I have discussed this where you, and then you start to go like, well, like, wait a minute. Okay. If I'm accepting that there's a possibility of dimensional entities, you know, entering somehow our atmosphere, interacting with us, what the fuck am I to say about a ghost or a <laughs> yeah. fucking psychic? Like, I... It's, it's really, it's, it is hard. It is. And it, it's kind of like, yeah, the, the boat gets leaky and then suddenly you're, and, and it, it is, you have to remain kind of skeptical. So many of these events are personal experiences. So it's hard to, it's hard to know. And that's why, like, I don't know, I guess my, my, one of my questions is what, you know, it feels like the paranormal is still sort of where UFOs were maybe 10 years ago, right? We're still kind of, it, it, it you know, People are like, well, you know, I don't know. And is entertainment okay, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to accept this as a real as a science and this, that. Whereas sort of UFOs, thanks to Leslie Keene and people, you know, in like 2017, and I guess there's, it's it's kind of undergone this sort of reputation facelift, right? Like it's now sort of, we're, we're going to focus on aviation safety and these sort of real things and the military, uh, you know, footage and, we're, and pilot testimony. So I guess what would it take for the paranormal to, to sort of uh, get out of that? space because they both exist in this cultural on this cultural fence right it's entertainment and it's like anybody can sort of you know i'm oh, this one's an expert that's like what is it and yet I, I don't know i think there's validity to it um obviously not all of it uh is is real or sincere mm -hmm. i'm just not sure you know do you have a feel like what will it take for the paranormal to kind of get you know kind of break through in that way Hope well i everyone. still view I still view ufology under the, I, I think that still fits within the paranormal realm. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. we're, and, and I still think there's plenty of people that think this is a wackadoo topic because, you know, you, you look at local news broadcasts and the thing yeah. that even before I did this as a job continuing to now, like you get interviewed by a local news channel or whatever, and, they're going to automatically play the exorcist theme song or the X-Files theme song. It's a, uh, so in a, in a, like a, you know, we're interested, but also, well, all right, Sharon, thanks for passing yeah, along yeah, yeah, that, a yeah. uh, colorful story. You know, okay. so I still think UFOs kind of fit within that, even though, even with yeah. the New York times, yeah. shedding, you know, talking about it. No, no, like, I, think, I think definitely they've, they, the X-Files theme shows up, I think, uh, at least 80% less often than it used to. Yeah. Just a few years ago, I, but still does definitely show but, up. Yeah. And, but, and I think like, you know, as far as what the, what, what would be sort of the disclosure moment of ghosts or whatever? I don't yeah. know. Um, um, I, I kind of suspect that, I don't know if there really is a, uh, that moment because even with the idea of ghosts, I don't really know what I believe and I'm willing to embrace the fact that I don't know what the hell's going on? I don't know what I believe. I'm just curious. You know, when we define ghost, it kind of tells me more about you, Dave, you, Tom, than it says about what a ghost is, because I'm learning about your your perhaps uh, religious up upbringing, perhaps your, you know, cultural background. You know, I look at it as like as a ghost, an echo, a footprint. Is it something that's active and intelligent? Is it some sort of time anomaly? Is it? Are we the ghost to someone else and they're existing in their own timeline or other dimension? So, you know, I, I kind of like the crazy shit deep end of the pool questions, but um, I don't know if there's really a disclosure moment, but I can say anecdotally 
most people out there, when you kind of allow them, create that zone for them to talk about it without being labeled crazy town banana pants, they tend to have some sort of version of a belief or notion. It's hang around in a bar long enough and someone's going to mention, you know, some sort of strange sighting in the sky and some sort of haunting story. It's and it always kind of begins with this sort of preface preface, like almost a, a buffer an adviso of like, well, you know, I don't believe in any of that crazy stuff. But there was this one time, yeah, you know, yes. and then they give us a story and that's yeah. where the G- So if we kind of let them say like, OK, well, and what they're doing is they're saying, hey, like I take my kids to school and I, I pay my taxes and I, you know, I, I don't yeah. wear too many tinfoil hats. But, you know, but weird stuff. I did have weird stuff. But if we just kind of allow people to say like, OK, tell me your story. You don't have to give me the buffer part. Just launch into it. Yeah. Um. That kind yeah, the, of I, yeah. sets the, the stage I know a this sounds bit. crazy thing. Yeah, everyone does that. Yeah. I know this sounds crazy, but uh, yeah, you know, bec- you know, as if to say because I know it sounds crazy, then you can understand I'm not crazy. I'm, you know, yeah, even, even yeah, though everyone, yeah, else I'm might not be. the crazy one. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's interesting. And, and well, we, I was saying we talked earlier about George, and um, you know, like as George said, like the UF, UFO people hate the Bigfoot people. Bigfoot people hate the ghost people. And, you know, and but what they found at when in OSAP and at Skinwalker and what George uh, uh, James Lukatsky basically said was, you know, that after all of their studies, they came to the conclusion that it's that all of this stuff is probably part of one phenomena, that all of it's related, that the, that that ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, um, you know, psychic phenomena that there's a that there is a through line through all of it and that it all it all tends to show up in the same places and amongst the same people so that there's um you, you know it's like you said you can't really look at the ufo subject without without looking at the paranormal yeah uh, because you can't separate them honestly you know you might want to try to separate them to make yourself seem more rational and and serious and the but, Pentagon and the Pentagon was trying to separate the paranormal from whatever they perceived as what they wanted to study, and and that's kind of um, sort of to this point. Like it's it you know you you have to accept all the weirdness. Like you can't start choosing favorites or picking like okay, well that you know that makes more sense than this when there was also and Aaron even to your point like Skinwalker Ranch is 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 defines a mysterious you know, hairy monster that's running around out there. Whereas, of course, I grew up scared shitless of Bigfoot. I mean, in, you know, Pence, I was convinced Bigfoot was coming through my door anytime in thanks to In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, yeah. the mm-hmm. famous Bigfoot episode. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that kind of incredibly, because that might have been one of the lines I would have drawn as an adult where I can't say like that they're you know, that yes, it is. it has been culturally sort of imprinted in so many different you know, groups and throughout history, like who's, who's to say, um, Mm -hmm. well, and then when you, so I, I, this notion of like one big phenomena, I think maybe there's something to it or, or there's just so many things at play that, you know, as humans, we like to assign order and rules to things Mm -hmm. and put it in a box again, like this notion of like, what is a ghost or what is a, you know, what is a, a UFO UAP? Is it, you know, we still want to say, well, it's this or it's this. Well, maybe it's X, Y, Z. Maybe it's all of the above, you know, 
Um, I, and I love, and you know, kind of mentioning folklore again, like I love when you look at stories of visitations, right? Throughout history, throughout, you know, legends and lore and whatnot. What sounds like a perhaps uh, something that's of a vampiric uh, visitation or attack to another culture could be demons, demonology, could be a UFO uh, visitation or abduction, you know? Uh, it's typically when people are awakened in the middle of the night and they see a figure at their bed or something trying to get into their homes or, you know, that, that sense of lost times, all these things, when you remove the labels, you start seeing a lot of patterns emerge. And I'm, that's, I think quite interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's, you know, just like, I, again, embrace all the weirdness to it. Um, and they are there. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, just like, you know, and you look at things like Skinwalker Ranch, yeah, or you look at other areas, there's multiple locations that are not even really getting a lot of attention where there are this kind of um, cross-section of hauntings, cross-section of supposed cryptid activity, and then UAP sightings, or or getting into the territory of things like elementals and indigenous lore and whatnot. Yeah. And it does seem like I, I know certainly with the UFO subject and, and everyone that goes deep into it eventually seems to drift over to issues like consciousness and trying to understand mm-hmm. how consciousness is maybe a through line through all of these phenomena. And also the notion of uh, what happens when we die. Um, you know, is there a persistence? Is there something? Is there, you know, you know, and also like, you know, and also psychic phenomena. Again, the notion that some part of us exists outside of our brains, outside of our skulls. Yeah. And, you know, and that maybe, uh, and that maybe that, that whatever that is, 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 is the through line through all of these different, um, strange, uh, incidents. Well, you guys had Paul Hynek on your show, right? Yeah. 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 So I've had Paul, I've, I've interviewed him for um, my, uh, the talking strange show and it fascinating guy. I loved talking to mm-hmm. him and you talk about someone that, yeah, it is. He's, he's looking at things through, you know, with um, use of hallucinogenics and whatnot, looking at things as part of a higher consciousness, but also I had a chat with him about sort of the spectral side of things. And he, thinks at one point i have to kind of revisit that interview that he may have had like some sort of visitation from his father so Mm. you know even that guy that is connected to you know one of the most famous uh ufo anomalous researchers of all time his son is still kind of talking about that and pushing it forward in that way um Mm. so uh, to to quote my buddy john tenney the stuff you think is weird is probably weirder than you think yeah well it's like well like um uh, Ralph Blumenthal's uh, book about um, about um, John, John Mack. Mack. Uh, I mean, that book ends with several of John Mack's friends have, telling tales of visitations of John coming back and, mm-hmm. and you know and and stopping in and giving you know both. What was the the one thing where he told somebody he it's, it's not what we thought or we yes, got it's, it's, it's not what we think. Thought. Yeah, yeah. But, and 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 went to somebody that else means. that he was working on a paper with. And gave explicit directions on where to find the research. You know, the- well, there's some of the recent um, paranormal. There, there's an interesting shift taking place with like a lot of paranormal investigators, and 
you know, there's um, there's one gentleman by the name of Bill Chapel who I've known for a long time, and he is a legitimate like engineer and scientist. And he was picking up he was picking up strange voices, strange sounds from um, equipment that he was building. He wasn't trying to build like a ghost hunting equipment. He was just picking up strange things. And it has been used on a lot of ghost hunting shows. Ghost Adventures has used a lot of his equipment. But when you really talk to Bill, he's like, I don't really know what this is, but I think it's us. He he tends to think it's maybe some version of of us or other consciousness. It's not just ghosts. I don't want to speak for Bill, but there's other investigations taking place where people may be setting out in a supposed haunted location, but they get deep into some sort of sensory deprivation experiment and start encountering or they say they are encountering beings stuff things out there that are not ghosts but are out there as part of us and when people ask questions like well what's going on they're like well you're not ready yet or or you know it's not what you think or you know things yeah. along those lines which sounds which like very DM- trippy the dmt experience that everyone yes. describes yeah which is very like in line with the stuff that like I think John Keel would have been like, you know, digging like I, I would love mm. I sadly never got to meet him. But man, like talk about a guy that I think would be having a, a field day right now. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Like, well, Jacques Vallée is still kicking around. So, he's, well, right. Yeah. And he was who's who's, who's you know, who someday I'll actually read Passport to Magonia um, <laughs> instead of just sort of vaguely quoting it without really knowing what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's. Uh, I, I have to say, yeah, Paul Hynek and that conversation about DMT sent me on a because I am not. I don't think I have the emotional constitution to partake myself in one of his. You know, even though he was like he was pretty willing to let everybody jump on into the trip um, with him and and uh, Dave, maybe someday you'll you'll uh, I'll launch. You'll part, you'll I've tried twice. Or you'll I've get tried to twice, and it didn't. And it yeah, didn't you didn't. He did I, failure. Failure to launch. But um, we, I I do find that. Um, an in- incredibly intriguing aspect to this whole uh, this whole subject because it does feel like that is one of the ways to find uni- a union uh, between these various elements because and um, a few of the books you know alien information theory some crazy books you know like uh, about the DMT and um, do, do make a really convincing case that something extraordinary is happening. Uh, with that chemical, which is sort of ubiquitous, sort of in everything, it's in our brains. It releases at various times in our lives. Certainly at death, at birth, you know, at different times during our development in the womb, supposedly. And um, and yet, it I can't think of a single. I can't think of anything where different users are are having are are having conversations with the same types of entities. It just does not correlate to anything that. And I, as a youth certainly part you know had my fair share of hallucinogens and this and that and the other thing and there's yes of course there's a commonality to some experiences but this feels completely unique um i i don't know just i'm i i feel like that is one area of exploration that might i don't know then the next 10 years might be a very interesting domain yeah what's this the the i think part of it is because of what we're also talking about that only a couple of years ago would have been the stuff of um, ESP and touchy feely psychic, uh, you know, crystals and whatnot. And I'm not dismissing that, but 
there, there t- as as both of you have said, there tends to be like these camps. Like, well, we're the serious ones because we're looking at the UAP situation, and you guys, the ghosty <laughs> people, you're fucking weird, you know, or or whatever else it is. And then like the Bigfoot people are a whole other brand of like a different school of you know. We're but it's like we're all weird guys like first off let's just embrace that okay let's mm-hmm. we're all the weird kids like we're all the spooky yeah. nerds it's, it's cool and but also let's not it doesn't mean you automatically have to believe every story that people tell you but i think being open to the stories listening to the stories that people are telling is important because what ends up happening is because we are so desperate to be taken seriously well we're not a crackpot we're looking at this we're really analyzing this we're taking this uh, you know really approaching a serious uh, perspective on this you know because we want to be you know we don't want to be dismissed as the the stigmatized and ostracized as the the crackpots you know mm-hmm. so we kind of put on this overly serious veneer sometimes and then we're like well but those are just the yokels over in the uh trailer park that's all some you know swamp gas or whatever so that kind of thing annoys me because then we're missing out on stories that potentially have legitimate merit or at least cultural significance because it's being passed around in those locations like we can't dismiss that stuff over there either and um you know I, the show i i do one of the shows i do is caught a paranormal caught on camera and we and get congratulations on seven seasons jesus that's amazing thank you man yeah i'm I, it's crazy. like i've been involved in a lot of projects and i love the hell out of that show because in a way we get to travel the world more than any other show I've been on more than any other show out there because we're getting the clips submitted from all over the world, from all range of supposedly strange phenomena. And some of those clips, yeah, maybe it's a Chinese lantern. Maybe it's like, you know, whatever, but you also get these clips where people are explaining their environment. They grew up in this space. They know that space very well. They know that airspace. They know where the airports are. They know, you know, where the military bases are. They know the natural phenomena or the ball lightning that may be seen in the area. And they're, they're detailing what's taking place and then saying, and meanwhile, that's not it. That's not that thing that I'm used to having lived here for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, And, Sometimes people are like, well, those guys are just trying to get rich or they're just trying to get attention for themselves or whatever. I'm like, first off, sorry, reality TV doesn't make you rich. But secondly, like you can't just dismiss everyone as trying to pull off some sort of con, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's why I get frustrated when people kind of play the card of the the local yokels who is is kind of like uh, elitist anyhow because you're saying oh because you live in a rural rural area you must be an idiot or whatever i don't i i hate that kind of thing because i see it happen a lot within the high-minded folks that we a lot of times interact with that they're like we're the serious researchers and dismiss those guys over there does that make sense like that's kind of a tangent no no but also it's the commonality Again, when you listen to enough of, of these stories and enough and enough of these, you know, experiences, it's 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 finding the commonality that is where you'll start to yield like like the real stuff. Like you have to you 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 have to listen to people, and, and it's such mm. a private event. Like you got you know you have to trust people in order to find out anything about this thing. Go ahead. Yeah, Dave. and that's just and these threads do run th- run throughout recorded history. Um, yeah. 
But I, I just I watched recently um, a short doc, like a, a forty-five minute documentary uh, that was put out. It's on YouTube by uh, New York University Research Hospital on the subject of death, and it was very. These were very serious, very uh, high-minded, very you know accredited you know um, medical researchers talking about death and uh, basically saying that that the first near-death experiences were reported shortly after we discovered CPR, which was the first time in human history that somebody who was considered dead was then made alive again, you know, which was, a you know, so we had to change our definition of death, you know, to, you know, because from cardiac arrest um, to, you know, then we went to brain death as the, as the defining factor. And then they, and then, but then for, gen, you know, a couple of generations, we believed, uh, that uh you yes you can revive someone but uh, after five minutes the brain is hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Irreparably destroyed. Um, and now they've, they've, they're at a point where they think they, they've, they've revived brains after hours yeah. of death. And, um, and one of the things, you know, they've, they've said they've, re, they've, re, they've rebranded the, the experience. They no longer call it near-death experience. They call it a, re, a recalled uh, experience of death. Because they're saying these people, have, this, these because it wasn't near death. The people that they're they're dealing with in their hospitals are people who fully were dead for hours and come back to life. And you know, so the and the experiences and and all coming back with conscious experiences of of their own death, of uh, the people fighting to keep them alive and of things that happened to them once they were dead and, and of their return to their bodies. And this is coming from NYU, you know, NYU research hospital. And I, I encourage everyone to, to try and find this documentary. It's, it's just remarkable to think that, that one of the things our medical establishment is getting to the point where, uh, uh, you know, even a few years ago, near-death experience was pretty much pretty much widely mocked and dis, you know, yeah, um, you know, dismissed and explained as, oh, this is just the brain losing oxygen, and you know, and it's a, you know, it's a a, a, a soothing illusion as the brain right. shuts down. But now they're saying no, because this is this is all happening long after the brain has shut down. Well, and then, so we we've kind of got to the point. We're getting to the point where people that um, work, you know, commercial pilots, 
um, people that work in the military, they're encouraged to come forward with their stories of seeing anomalies in the sky, right? That's We're encouraging that. I, I still don't believe that that stigma has been lifted, and I still don't think even professionally it's gone. But so we're, but on paper, we're in theory encouraging people. But from the spooky side, the, the ghosty side of things, I can't tell you how many people I've interacted with, cops, um, doctors, a lot of nurses, paramedics. Um, first off, I know a lot of people that are in those fields that do investigate this side of things. But even the ones that aren't necessarily in quote unquote investigating it, I can't tell you how many people I know in those fields that tell me stories of having these strange happenings, haunting happenings in their places of work. Even pretty much every military base has some sort of haunting activity, which is like, we just don't talk about it. Um, uh, Nurses, like there's typically always some sort of haunted room uh, Mm. or nurses that are around people in their final moments are consistently reporting these experiences of someone talking to a loved one and having a very like a again like there's a pattern this loved one that's almost like ushering them through or whatever um i've even heard the flip side of that of like sort of these darker visitors at the end of people's lives which scares the hell out of me mm-hmm. um but you know so many of those tales are happening cops going into crime scenes encountering things i i personally i will tell you this i don't know if i've said this on an interview before but when i was a young reporter i was around a um a crime scene and i had i was doing some recordings not as a paranormal investigator but as a reporter a young reporter and heard voices in the background that only later on years later did i come to think about it in terms of like oh that sound of like crying on that crime scene there was no one uh that i know of that would have been making that that noise on that scene and instead it was like a weird thing picked up on my recorder so these things are tend to be happening all around it's like again a bit of a stigma associated with it and yeah, talking yeah. About it. And everybody ha- every you're right everybody has them when you get when you get one layer through the conversation or one you know and, yeah. and someone and i to be honest my so just personal story that is only a few days old um so my mother passed away couple years ago and um and suddenly and it was terrible and it has sort of not left me and been very very intense so and it was my birthday a couple days ago now i i will sort of poetically go like oh message or see a see a duck in the pool and say oh it's sent by you know like i'll i'll do that and i will sort of rationalize it to myself as my own kind of symbolic you know wanting connection and all that stuff so but this one made me kind of, this one made me, this one made me sit up literally because it was, so it was 6 a.m. on my birthday morning and I got received a text from my daughter who's away at school. Um, now, normally my mother, God bless her, would have been the first, like she would have been like first there, like early morning, like would have like sort of texted, um, would have texted me and it was funny because my thought when I looked at the thing was like oh that's kind of oh isn't that sweet like now my daughter is texting me and like that would have been mom and whatever and it's I'm still sleeping and I'm kind of like that's very sweet I'll get back to her 
you know, when I get up kind of thing, put the phone down. And about 45 seconds later, wham, there was this where both Christina, my wife and I, like we both like are bolt upright. What the fuck was that? Was it an earthquake? Because we had just had an earthquake the previous evening. I can tell you there was no earthquake at this time we checked. But what we turned around and we have a big kind of armoire dresser that contains a bunch of sweaters and it's heavy and the doors are heavy and it is not a, it's not like we have a, we have a shelf in the kitchen that does kind of go like, eh, and close like sort of, this is not one of those, but something blew the doors open and dropped about half the sweaters on the floor. And, and we're both looking, both looking at that, like, like what is going on? Like dogs are across the house. Um, and it was really just one of those, you know, like I'm, I, we, I, I had to tell her the story. Like, I think, I think that was like a, a happy birthday. I, I can't, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't, there was, there's no animal in the house. There was no explanation for what blew open the doors loudly to like clanking this old style kind of, uh, key on the, not key, but sort of an old style latch lock. Anyway, I mean, it, it's, it, it's just, I think these things happen to people constantly. And yes, we don't talk about them maybe enough or give them, you know, or yeah, we didn't, or we kind of dismiss them as like, some people can have them, some people can, or mine's real, but that person's isn't real, you know, their story or something like that. But it, it was a reminder um, because I've honestly been a little shut down to that, to the sort of idea of the messages, like, oh, I'm just being romantic and everybody, you know, and it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's everywhere. I love that. I mean, I, I love it because for a couple of reasons, I mean, one, like I said, I, you know, I do think there's you know a lot of bad wiring and leaky plumbing out in the world. I also think that there is chicanery. There's people that are, that are trying to um, fake things or con other people, you know, and it comes down to, you know, the pursuit of some sort of profit typically, but but there is also these weird moments and there's hilarious moments too. That's it's like, it doesn't always have to be this serious, like experience. I think that there's just weird shit happening. That's hilarious that, that uh, maybe it's someone demanding attention, you know, wanting to like, Hey, stupid, happy mm-hmm. birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, I, and I've had weird experience. Like I'll go into some old hospital or asylum or whatever, and I'm on the job and I'll have weird experiences and it's very cool. And you have these moments where you're like, Oh, okay. I actually did just see that thing. And then other people have just seen bizarro situations or then I'll come back to my old building in Brooklyn. And then uh, the, the funny, stupid, weird stuff happens. Like I'm taking a shower and I hear something on the other side of the shower curtain and, you know, poke my head around and, both knobs on my old style like basin are on full blast, which I know is not something that um, I would do uh, ever. I would never go full blast on on both. So I'm like, all right, look, I got to pay the bill here. So I need you to yeah. uh, whatever's going on. Please mm-hmm. don't waste water. Yeah, stop cool. using the fucking uh, water, man. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, what do you think of the hitchhiker effect? Do you think you, I mean, do you think if you go to a place like Eastern Street Penitentiary or whatever, you know, whatever, not Eastern, Eastern State, um, I mean, do, we, we talked a lot of, we've, we've heard a lot about it. We've read a lot about it. I, I think there's something potentially to it. What do you, do you have a thought on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like I'm not, I may be an expert in doing this and I may, I would say an expert researcher, but as far as the actual phenomena, I don't have, you know, the the handbook for the the recently deceased, right? I don't have the rules here. I don't know what's going on. I just have theories based on a lot of things I've read, but, or ideas, maybe they're not even theories, but I do think um, perhaps being the nerd that I am, having consumed so much Star Wars, maybe there's something to the idea of like this energy that envelops everything, you know, um, maybe there is something to the fact that uh, things can be flitting around and decide like, oh, that, that you know, Tom seems pretty cool. I'll, I'll hang out with him for a minute. Or maybe this, um, you know, item that has deep emotional connection to people, to someone, maybe there is something bound to it. I don't know, but I don't, I don't tend to go in the direction of, um, I think there's scary stuff out there. I think there's maybe some overwhelming kinds of things out there, but I don't kind of go into, uh, this bleakness, I guess. Like, I don't think that, uh, it's heaven, hell kind of situation. I think that, um, maybe there's just weird energies moving around. And I also don't think that, whatever we call a ghost, whatever it is, I don't think it's necessarily locked into one place. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for some reason, for it, it, maybe some might be sticking around a spot or maybe it is an imprint for some of them. Or maybe there's some of them that's like, hell, like uh, I never went to Fiji. I'm going to, I'm going to Fiji now. Boom. Like now I'm over there or uh, I'm going to hang out with this family for a while. Cause they seem pretty cool or, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's kind of connected to weird energies sort of being surrounding everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I guess is that, you know, we, you know, we don't know what consciousness is. We certainly don't know how it, we're only just starting to, as I said, now when you have, you know, uh, you know, a fairly dry NYU documentary talking about consciousness existing outside of uh, outside of the body as a separate entity. Um you know that uh, we're we're crossing into a more interesting plane of discussion. Well, and and Dave, you mentioned spiritualism, which is yeah, it's a topic that I really love. I love researching. I love reading about mm-hmm. all these and, amazing characters. And it was characters. taken quite seriously at the time. Yeah. Well, and and you know, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd's family, um, big into spiritualism, was like a you know a notable family, which then you know handful of years later or a hundred years later, we end up getting to something like Ghostbusters dotted line connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, what tends to happen is spiritualism. It has its moment after great uh, moments of trauma, great cultural trauma, you know, so Mm -hmm. American civil war, world war one. I think that this new version of, um, post 9-11 in america right after that we started seeing this emergence of the paranormal investigative show the reality tv show i think in a way that was kind of us processing loss through entertainment through pop culture and even original spiritualism had a big entertainment uh pop culture component to it they were they were the reality tv stars of their time the fox sisters filling auditoriums and whatnot so i think post covid if you know if we are post covid whatever however we're referring to this time we're entering into this other this next wave this kind of postmodern 
spiritualism. And I think it's fascinating because it's getting weirder in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about life and death. It is about consciousness and existence. I see, I see it through um, younger influencers on TikTok. Um, I see it by people talking, bringing back these old stories of, you know, fairies, elementals, cryptids, lore, legends, all of that good stuff. It's um, it, it's almost like we're just the paradigm is shifting and the horizons are expanding as far as how people are expressing what stuff we're made of and what's out there. Yeah, well, I definitely for me, that's definitely, I guess, the journey I'm because as, as a lifelong atheist and, you know, uh, you know, a materialist reductionist, you know, a believer in the scientific method and that everything comes down to matter. Um, you know, you know, and every, everything that is not understood can be understood. Um, and now, you know, and my, my entry point is through, uh, is largely through the UFO, the UFO story, but I'm definitely, uh, at a place now where I'm going, I no longer, uh, feel confident in any of those uh, sureties that I, that I was so smugly, uh, certain of for so many years. Um, you know, I, I've never believed that we have souls, never believed that, uh, uh, you know, I believe that when the brain shuts down, that's it. End of story. And now, now the the mounting evidence is that I'm, you know, to to I almost pun. I was going to say dead wrong about it all. Um, so I, I so I succumbed. I even succumbed to a pun, and I hate puns. So nothing is nothing. <laughs> a nothing lot is, is changing. Yeah, a lot is changing is before our eyes. With there you. is no solid ground. Nothing is sacred anymore. Uh, yeah, um, it's. The so science. How it happens. Your paradigm shifts. You start accepting maybe there's something more. You start using puns. Next, mm-hmm. who knows? You could become a prop comic. I don't know oh, what, what the next stage. Oh. You know what? You're right. I need I need to walk you away need to from back the off. whole thing. Yeah. I got to walk but, away from the whole issue. But I, you know, I, I Gallagher out. I, I don't, you know, like, yeah, and I don't know what's going on. And I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person. I'm, you know, I'm, I just, I think there's more and I, I, I've, just kind of accepted or embraced the the weirdness and embraced like sort of this notion of more. And yet I still also get quite annoyed with people that, you know, people that try to sell the rule book or try to sell the certainty because out of that you get people that are. So paranormal investigation, it's not a science. It's, it's like, it's it's it barely a pseudoscience, but it's not a science. And so when people say they're using the scientific method on a paranormal investigation, it annoys the crap out of me because you're not. You're it's not a controlled environment. You're not able to recreate this over and over again. Um, and and even the use of theories is is strained. That's you know I use the word theories, but it's really ideas. It's notions, you know. But um, yeah, so. It bugs the hell out of me because I think when people start throwing around ideas of like scientific method as they're applying it to paranormal investigation, maybe one day it will. Maybe maybe one day we will be able to, you know, talk to a ghost and recreate that experience in a lab or whatever. And then we're like, well, that's not a ghost anymore. That's a that's another thing. It's from another dimension or whatever. But it's not right now. So when people kind of sell that certainty, it does. It does everyone a disservice, but it also starts feeling 
kind of snake oily salesman kind of vibe. Um, So I'm just like, I I like doing this stuff and I even like some of the equipment, but I'm not using this as like a, I have a ghost detector and this tells me there's a ghost in the room. It's like, well, no, it's maybe measuring environmental situations. And that's kind of odd because that doesn't match with other tools in the area like that. So you can kind of use it as a interesting um guide but it's not like some sort of ghost detector so yeah, yeah i like and even like matter you know okay people love my dreams right now aaron like my dreams oh, sorry. are being crushed under your under yeah. your feet right now i could I, I want i finish what you're saying because i know but well though. even just the uh, dave said matter like you know matter can neither be created nor destroy okay yeah that's true so when people are like, well, when we die, what happens to us or where does it go? Do we just I'm like, well, no, we actually break down. We become uh, part of the soil, of the earth. And that's what's happening to our matter. It's getting recycled in a very explainable way. Uh, so but you could still believe, still appreciate and embrace science while also embracing the curiosity mm-hmm. of science and asking questions and hopefully getting to a point where we could posit true theories and experiment in a a scientific way but that said yeah i mean we're not there yet but i've certainly experienced and seen a lot of crazy shit that i cannot explain that should not have Mm -hmm. happened and you know and and and, and i would say scientific method has been incredibly useful and has changed the world and has certainly changed civilizations and changed the way we all live um so it's a very useful thing but people also forget it's it's a, almost a brand new thing it's in, in human history it's it's very very new the scientific method and it's very good at doing some things uh and even within its own realm it has some pretty glaring failures um you know quantum mechanics uh doesn't make any sense not just to people like me who don't understand it, but to the people that do understand it, it doesn't make any sense, you know? And, um, and it is unreconcilable with, with uh, astrophysics, uh, you know, the large scale. Um, you know, the um, black holes don't make sense. The Big Bang doesn't make sense. Um, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we're at a point where just like 15, 20 years ago, science had to admit that 95% of the universe was missing. And, um, and the response to that wasn't to just throw up, you know, go, well, let's just throw out all science. You know, their, their response to that was just, well, we'll just make something up and we'll, we'll make up dark matter and dark energy. And, and to, to this day, it's still just something they made up. They can't, they have no evidence for any of it. Um, so science has limitations. So I'm, I've, I'm at that point where I go, well, you know, if we can acknowledge that science does some great stuff, but it doesn't do everything and that some things may inherently not be repeatable, may not be um, uh, amenable to the scientific method, uh, but they still happen and they still exist. So what do we do with that? You know, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you do if, you know, if, you know, if we're talking about non-human intelligence, if, what do you do if the thing you're trying to, subject to the scientific method is smarter than you and is in control of all the parameters that you're trying to set up. You know, it's like if, you know, it's like if, if the mice in a lab tried to run experiments on the, uh, the scientists in the room, they would, you know, 
they've got no control over those parameters and uh and it's you know it's just not going to work out for them and we might be in the same situation with in, in terms of uh you know uh post death ghosts ufos all of these weird phenomena they might just be things that that aren't we can't they aren't repeating because they know we're trying to get them to and and yeah, like I said earlier, this notion of, um, well, with if there's a spectrum of belief and on one end is dogmatic, unquestioning belief, and on the other end is closed-minded cynicism, and in the middle, the sliding scale is asking questions, being skeptical, explaining what mm-hmm. you can through theories and whatnot. I mean, this uh, it, science as well, if you're so locked into one thing that you no longer ask questions and no longer allow for the possibility of more or something that you have not been able to explain, then you, it's a failing of the way you approach science, you know? So science is about asking questions and being curious and trying shit out and seeing what happens. Yes. Um, and, but, and even if 95% of like 95% of UFOs and 95% of ghosts can all be explained as something mundane, uh, that in no way uh, changes how important that 5% are. That's a it's big F and 5%. Like yeah. it's, it's, all we know about the universe is 5%. We can only come up with 5% of the matter in the universe. Yeah. But we, we, we're pretty proud of that. How did I crush your uh, your hopes and dreams there, Tom? No, listen. I got to talk. I gotta get, we got to get down into I got to we got to get down into the boots on the ground here of how paranormal shows are made. Now you had talked okay. about you caught on tape, you thought, well, you didn't, you're not saying you caught on tape. You're saying as a reporter you heard on your radio this something that was Guys, spam is calling me, so I need to pick this up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, so, and you talked about the equipment. You've talked about your friend, the scientist, who was sort of making something. He's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm picking up. Could be us. Could be something else. And people might take that as you have been sort of behind the scenes of some of these paranormal shows. I have watched them uh, religiously, uh, loyally. I have watched many, many long hours of people not finding much in the dark, which is to me like, great. Okay. That's kind of, I don't expect if you're throwing a bunch of shit at me, I'm going to be skeptical. But if I'm going to make a paranormal show, uh, Aaron, how are you going to help me do it? How is it done? What can we, what are we getting in your opinion? Um, How much of this is not, you know, how much of this is bullshit? How much of this (laughs) feels like it's authentic? Give me a, Give me a sort of, you know, you're, you're an insider in some of this stuff. And I'm curious of what, what, what are we seeing? All right. So I would say for the most part, so I've been fortunate with the shows that I've done that I have never been witness or privy to fakery. Um, I do know that it is done in some places, some shows, um, Typically, and it's not always like this, this willful uh, uh, intent to deceive. A lot can happen in editing, right? Um, you guys know that. And so it might be maybe there's a loud crash, you know, in the next room and paranormal investigator guy is like, holy shit, what was that? Maybe what happens right after that is the PA or sound guy is like, oh, sorry, I just stumbled in the dark, like whatever. Like, but they cut that part out because it's like the holy shit, what was that is great TV, right? Um, so there's that kind of thing. There are some setups, active setups that take place. 
Um, I again, I have not been party to that, but I do know that it takes place. I think honestly, for me, what I would be doing right now and the things I am trying to do, trying to pitch is there just needs to be more of a spectrum of people out there and stories represented. Um, a lot of it, it's a funny thing because on one hand, you know, the distracted boyfriend meme um, of uh, the, on one hand, we've got the girlfriend yeah, looking back. That, yeah. 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 So on one hand, let's call the girlfriend like sort of ghosts. And then, the the hot new thing is demons and the guy in the middle is a, a ghost show or a paranormal investigator. They they love the demons and they sometimes almost think like the ghosts are not sexy enough. So they get distracted by the demons. So they love talking about demons on a lot of these shows um, and networks seem to love it as well. But it's in a weird way, like they'll talk about demons, but they don't want to really, really talk about religion. However, the core of of a lot of these shows is still very like judeo christian focused it's still rooted in this notion of religion and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but it's a big world out there and a lot of spiritual beliefs and a lot of ghost stories that are not connected to religion and i would love to explore more of those things i would mm -hmm. i'd like to just expand the spectrum here of what the stories we want to tell and also the types of people i mean uh, there's so many different cultures, so many different people. And look, I am a, 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 a white bearded dude. I would like to continue working. However, there's a lot of other characters and representation that should be seen on these shows. Mm -hmm. um, and we are seeing that yeah. a lot through things like TikTok and YouTube shows and whatnot, thankfully. But um, I, what so about, I what personally, about, what about I, an even whiter bearded dude, even whiter bearded dude. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen that greenlit yet, yeah. so I think this could we could get this through actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I just want more. I just want people to explore more of this. And there seems to be we were talking about sort of the different camps, you know, UFO guys over here, go, uh, Bigfoot guys over here, and then the ghosty guys. Well, we know by the people we talk to that it seems like this anomalous activity overlaps so much in these locations and the stories and whatnot. Throwing it all together would be interesting. But networks tend to be very strict in the way they approach it based on a hunch. It's not always based on data or, you know, actual uh, demographic information. It's just like, well, I got a hunch that we just don't like the the, you know, the aliens don't do well with. We just want ghosty stuff right. here, you know. Right. And I'm like, well, let's put it together. And that that could yield more fascinating results, in my opinion. So that's the kind of stuff I personally want to do. And just elicit more stories from people. That's why I started doing the podcast is that, you know, I'm not doing as much journalistic writing as I once was, but doing podcasts. And I think you guys probably feel this way as well. Like by talking to people and getting their take on things, you're learning, but you're also exposing their viewpoints to your audiences. And that is that that is, I think very worthwhile it's that what talking strange will be focused now are you going to be reaching out uh just sort of finding the ghost stories that aren't being told is it also going to cover you what what is the umbrella of talking strange 
It's um we've been going for um I think two years on this show. I've done some other podcasts in the past, but two years on this show. And it's kind of whatever I want to do, honestly. I, I kind of just follow whatever my interests are. So, you know, I've had um actors on there. Um, you know, and it's and it's interesting because guys like Rain Wilson or Reese Darby, who are known for the comedic work but are also super interested in the in this stuff, have been on there. Um, the actor David Desmalchian, who uh, is an Oppenheimer and like is super into this stuff. So I'll talk to, you know, the folks that are out there creating the material, but also uh, researchers. I had Avi Loeb on there. As I said, I had Paul Hynek on there. Um, and I do reach out to people of different communities as well. Um, like I just interviewed a bunch of people that were black horror writers or talking about the notion of queer hauntings or, you know, it's just like, tell me your thing. Tell me your weirdness. You know, it doesn't always have to be a direct line. Uh, it can, because we'll get there. Like I said, you, you kind of hang out with someone long enough and we're going to get to the weirdness. Um, just kind of having a chat and being open to it. So, but yeah, it's basically whatever I want to do. It's a, uh, it's, I'm spoiled in that way that, you know, I get sponsorship to, uh, kind of follow whatever weird pursuits i have no I, I and i would say we are just discovering that i mean just the yeah the the thrill of every week your mind getting opened a little bit more are you or different you know kind of avenue of of intrigue that i certainly didn't know i mean it's it's an incredible um just to have conversations every week with interesting folks it's also you know been just an amazing yeah. gift and and you talk to people like um, I can't say I can't tell specifically I don't know if those are Hellboy comics in the background. Um, for well, there's you, a little bit of everything. Uh, so, yeah, you're a fan. So of Hellboy? like you talked. Well, I love Hellboy. Um, and but you talk to guys like Mike Mignola yeah. or Neil Gaiman, creators who aren't necessarily specifically trying to talk about theories, but through their fiction through their creative work oh, yeah, especially yeah, they yeah. kind of tap into stuff that you're like i think that might resonate in a a, a higher consciousness kind of way and i love that kind of thing because i'm like i'm that that i can now apply that over here or at least yeah. you know kind of keep that in the back of my skull there's a bust of Lovecraft up here, uh, a candle, a candle of H.P. Lovecraft's head, just because I just think the Cthulhu mythos, one of its enduring aspects is this incredible um, sort of the, the way he articulates this unnameable something out there that just really taps. To me, it just feels like, more we talk about whether it's DMT or these experiences or certain shadow form, like it feels like he at a very early stage was articulating something very primal, um, scary as hell and a great, just, just a great horror author. But, but also he, yeah, to, to your point and like the Mike Bignola fashion, he was tapping into something that clearly resonates because, um, and I, you know, in the in the dark days of talking about this topic, I'm like, this fucking, this is like we're dealing with this fucking Cthulhu shit we're dealing with at this point, you know. Um, but yeah, that's it, it's true, and I think those those sort of cultural kind of crossover points, you know, people have been writing about it. The one thing you, you and Dave were both talking about, which is just the way that 
whether it's, you know, science or sort of official researchers of this subject matter, it just seems to be just turning us back toward mythology anyway. You know, it just seems to be like we're yeah. we're pivoting back to kind of original stories and, well, and even yeah. like the Welsh fairies. I just remember there was something in that documentary recently. I don't know if it was on Netflix or um, I don't know if the, you know the one, but there was a there was a sighting in Wales, I think, and there were, but there was just a lot of discussion of how certain abductions and experiences was that part of back to the fairies, to the fairies, part of yeah, you know. right? The, the yes, ambulance series. Yeah. Did you ever have a chance to study those, Aaron, in your travels? I mean, yeah, um, and again, it's like one of those situations. Um, you know, I lived a bit of time in Scotland, and I still go back there quite a bit. And I've, I've been fortunate to travel it all over and i'm very jealous of you. and it's it's been again it's you're, like, a knight, you're a knight of dracula which not everybody can say mm -hmm. yeah that was so i'm actually going back to uh romania transylvania and halloween as part of a a, a tour this halloween uh, this next year and um i'm gonna be bringing a bunch of people with me and and kind of leading them around because i've i have spent a lot of time in transylvania and uh through just weird journeys. The Transylvanian Society of Dracula. It's a cultural and heritage <laughs> so. organization named myself. And then Dacre Stoker, who is the um, descendant of Bram Stoker. We are, I think, two of only three Knights of Dracula worldwide. It was a bizarro experience. But wow. um, but yeah, I mean, like the fairy folk, um, you know, weird which, like which Doyle Lord. and Houdini were also interested in. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, it's you you can easily point to the Cottingley fairies and say, well, man, Houdini or uh, Doyle was just so easily conned by those little girls, except I think one of those photos, I still like and nobody ever quite explained that one. They even said, like, OK, we faked a couple of these, but that one, that's actually legit. But then there's people that continue to say that they experience this kind of thing. Again, you just kind of have to give people a chance to talk about it and they'll eventually get there and that's 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 the other kind of thing i'm excited about sort of this postmodern spiritualism whatever you want to call it this paradigm shift where we're breaking down the gates or the gatekeepers of the traditional formal religions organized religions no longer get to tell us what exists what doesn't exist and we can instead blow it wide open and go back to those older tales, go back to the ancient tales and mythology and say, well, okay, maybe those guys pre, you know, Christian Christianity were onto something. Um, yeah. That's kind of a cool notion. They're just trying to describe well, it. They just had different contexts for describing it, you know, and then. Different, yeah. You know. Well, as a grizzled old atheist, it's, it's hard for me to, to come around to going, Oh, well, all right. So maybe some of the Bible stuff happened. Uh, maybe that was just these were weird, you know, paranormal occurrences that and their interpretation of it was, you know, took the form of a new religion, you know. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's people in the UFO community that believe there's a chance that all of our religions were deliberately started by non-humans. Um, but uh, and then again, there's also this uh, I was thinking um, Gary Nolan may have stumbled onto or not stumbled on sought it out and found it um a biological uh sort of uh uh like what we call it, through line which is the caudate 
the uh, caudate putamen in the brain that he's found that people with a more developed or more densely packed caudate putamen in the brain uh, are more likely to have strong intuition, more mm-hmm. likely to have psychic experiences, more likely to, to experience hauntings or UFO sightings. Um, and, uh, or have, you know, so that, so he may have actually found, um, uh, you know, a physical manifestation in the brain of, of why some people seem to have more of these experiences than other people. Uh, And, and with that, you know, you can even, there's a dotted line connection to this idea of whether you want to say tulpas, thought form, egregores, this notion of like, well, we are the source of creating the phenomena. Um, there was, I forget when, I think in the 1970s, it was called the Philip experiment. It was in Canada and it was a group of academics that essentially sought to create a ghost. They, they gathered together and were essentially hold seances, but came up with this character, gave him a backstory. He did not exist. They, you know, um, I think they had a drawing of him, explained his family and everything. And then they started reporting happenings in these seance sessions of a what they believed was a paranormal nature um so in a way that their their kind of take on it is that they manifested this ghost and you know that's a that's a wild idea right mm-hmm. there um yeah. i remember so, years years ago there was a, there's a cbc show called ideas and years ago they did a two-parter on ghosts and they went through a lot of possible explanations. They like they looked at things like standing waves, uh, mm-hmm. and that standing waves, when they're at a certain frequency, resonate with the eye and cause uh, you know visual hallucinations. And this is you know so they said that could be one explanation for ghosts. But then and they went through a number of these you know sort of scientific possible explanations for what uh, triggers ghost experiences. But then in the end, they had, they came up to the conclusion quite quite sensibly. Um, that just because you can create a similar experience by these means doesn't mean that is what caused the experiences that people have had. You know, you can create something similar to a ghost experience through, um, through a standing wave, but that doesn't mean people who have seen ghosts were subject to a standing wave. They may have seen a ghost. Yeah. I mean, you can, the, you can create a haunting sensation by the use of infrasound, which was also used in movie theaters to you know, give people the creeps or yeah, maybe people actually experience some sort of creepiness that was not due to some sort of infrasound or high levels of electromagnetic fields in the area. And there was a, there's a sociologist, I forget the, the sociologist's name or psychologist's name, but they coined this phrase of haunted people syndrome. And, and their approach was, again, you don't necessarily have to believe in the ghost, but we should be taking these people's experiences seriously. And mm-hmm. in that, in their, their kind of study, their paper that they had published, it was breaking down what this haunted people syndrome was, what it is, how it looks. And it's not just some sort of neuroses or psychoses, or it's, it's not just a delusion. It is a, a thing that these people are actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. No, and there's clearly, I mean, I, I agree. There's sensitive, I mean, I've, I, I, it's strange. I can be both skeptical of psychic uh, abilities and then have met people where I'm like, oh yeah, they're totally psychic. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's just like my own, you know, where I'm like, I, 
I cannot deny that I have met and had friends in my life who felt like they just picked things out of my brain that shouldn't have been, you know, like possible or, or that they were able to kind of, um, sort of feel these, you know, feel out these, these things. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, what are you, what are you up to now, Aaron? Like what's next for you? Are you, are you, is it 20 now? So 28 days haunted is on Netflix. It is, yep. Uh, do you know that the first oh, look, season? I got a little thumbs up show up on my thing. Um, huh? What's is is that? Uh, will that be continuing? Do we know yet? Is it or we what what's next for you? So I was very excited. Twenty eight days on. Yeah, we have the the first season out on Netflix. Um, it did really well. Um, it yeah. was. I would explain charted. explain what the, what the twenty eight days phenomenon uh, phenomena is. Yeah. So the notion behind it, the the kind of the show construction is that Ed and Lorraine Warren. Famous paranormal investigators uh, felt that at a 28 days in a location, you could pierce the veil of um, hauntings and that you would essentially be able to experience, uh, I guess, more of a porous interaction with a ghost. That said, the idea of staying in a location as long as you can that's been something that's been around for a long time i mean you look at guys like harry price he was trying to stay in the Borley rectory for months at a time um so it is unique in this way from a tv perspective of staying in a location for 28 days what also kinds of kind of gives it a unique spin is that we have three different investigative teams embedded in three separate locations for that 28 days and i'm sort of I've got the God's eye view as the host and the guy in the control room, the guy in the chair that is watching all of the unfiltered feeds and everything and seeing as this activity is, is happening or potentially ramping up that sort of thing. So yeah, the longer you stay in a place, the more the place gets used to you, the more you get to used to the place and the more potential you have for uh, possible paranormal activity. So that charted like top, like a top 10 on Netflix for a couple nice. weeks globally, which was insane. We were like getting something like a uh, 70 million hours streamed, like right off the bat. It was pretty crazy. Awesome. So we're waiting on another to find out if we're getting another season on that. Like everything entertainment industry has just been a weird time with, uh, both mergers and budgets being slashed and everything. It's just weird. You guys understand that. Um, mm-hmm. So waiting on that one. Meanwhile, Paranormal Caught on Camera is coming back for a seventh season. Excited about that. Um, the Talking Strange podcast and live uh, YouTube show continues, and we're always looking for guests on that one. Um, so hit me up and would love to have you guys on it as well. Yeah. And um, aside from that, you know, I'm – I mean, I travel all around looking and exploring this stuff and having a great time doing it. But I'm also um, I'm trying to get some other projects off the ground where I can expand our exploration. So it doesn't have to be just UAP here, Bigfoot right. here, and then goes over here where we combine it. And we also, you know, bring more seats to the table of different types of people with different types of backgrounds and cultural, um, you know, input. So that's something I'm really just focused on. And, um, and then aside from that, I'm just a big freaking nerd. So I do a lot of comic cons as well. And, um, uh, just love, you know, nerding out, hanging out with yeah, people. Man. And, uh, we need to talk like comics and, you know, toys and all that at some point. Cause I, oh, I'm yeah. Sure that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, sure that is a zone yeah. we, we share. <laughs> 
Yeah, but think, maybe for a uh, if you do a Patreon spinoff episode, we'll talk comic comic okay. stuff. Mm, that sounds yeah. good. All right. Well, I I just want to pitch. I think uh, comedians in haunted houses is a good series. I love that idea because mm. ghosts can be funny. Like people that show up in a haunted location and they open with "How did you die?" You know, like mm. it's like, well, you know, why don't you go into a place and be like, "Yo, uh, you know." How's the yeah. food here? What's the, you yeah. know, there, there's like a ton of like places in the Catskills, like old comedy spots that are said to be haunted. A lot of them have been torn down, unfortunately, but there's still some. I'm like, the best way, I think, to invite someone in, not even a ghost, just like at a party, is be funny, be likable, be affable. Yeah. So, you know, welcome in the activity by having a laugh. So I am Don't, not totally the, why did you kill that. your whole family question? Not, not maybe, right. maybe not yeah. first thing out of the and, game. Yeah. Coming in and, hot, right? Yeah, and, and, in and good comedians get funnier when they're frightened. I know. I, I love that. You're I'm I we'll, <laughs> I'm we'll get this greenlit. That's, All right. That sounds good to me. Hey, Aaron, it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, thank you for taking the time. Um, this was a, this was a fun chat. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, let's do it again. Let's keep the conversation going. I love it. Uh, it was a blast yeah. talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, hit me up on social and everything. And uh, let's stay connected. Thanks, awesome. Aaron. Thanks. All right. Lot. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.